Are you seeking to broaden your horizons, to stay relevant and become future fit? Do you want to fuel your creativity and inspire innovation? Or are you simply looking to put the kapow back into your business? Then look no further. Join Carmen Murray, entrepreneur, innovator, and tech fundi with her big personality and presentation style as she interviews celebrities, alchemists, newsmakers, and business experts to discover the stories behind their success. The Carmen Murray Show will open your mind and help you turn knowledge into magic. Let knowledge be your superpower. And now, from Solid Gold Studios, here's your host, Carmen Murray. Hey, 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 Future Fit Tribe, welcome to yet another episode. And I have one of my favorite, favorite guests in the house, but on a virtual house somewhere in Paris, Arno Colliery. If you remember a few episodes last year during COVID, we were having a, a, a talk about the emotional DJ, which he likes to call himself, but... We've invited him back and we've got a panel here because we've got two of my favorite men in the room um, from South Africa and I'm privileged um, and we're going to have a conversation about mentorship and I first of all before I introduce the panel I would love to first say Arno welcome um, he used to be a French comedian he was in filming he's a top TEDx speaker he is a happiness coach he believes in transformation he's also a big systems thinker um, he has started a tech company and he's an emotional DJ I don't have enough words but I would like to call him the happiness nomad because he follows happiness wherever he goes like he would leave and pack up his bags because he's not happy he follows happiness and I just think it's such a great way for me to think of Arno so my friend welcome back super excited so let's get into it what's been happening in your life since the last time we spoke uh, first of all, thanks. Love, happiness, normal. I, I think I'm going to quote you on this from now on. Love it. Uh, since we spoke, so, uh, <laughs> was, oh my God, so much. But let's say a, a month ago now, I launched a personal growth platform called Humanava. You know, we took from a Manava, uh, humanity in Sanskrit. And then we attach it to the human, American human to, to, to make it more international. And it's a personal growth platform where we take experts in French for now and soon in English on burnout, on courage, on positive psychology, on um, enthusiasm, on goodwill, on everything which is soft skill, right? Everything which is not hard skill, everything which is not in your resume, everything which is not on your LinkedIn profile. So we find the best experts and they're making masterclass, 90 minutes video masterclass based on their knowledge of working on themselves, but working on of people around them. And we don't take any intellectual or theorists. We, tell, we take only practitioners, people on the field that have done something with people amazing all right so next in the house we've got Levuyu. so instead of me telling you everything about Levuyu, all i can tell you is Levuyu and i are currently studying our postgraduate diploma in management practice aiming for the mba and systems thinking and we are in a syndicate and uh, <laughs> we bump heads a lot, but we love each other a lot. We're in a, we're in a good space. We're storming and forming all the time. But anyway, 
I decided to bring him here because he is a modern man yet very traditional. And I'm going to allow him to give us a quick brief story about who he is. All right. Thanks, Carmen. Um, <laughs> guys, lovely to meet you all. I'm really privileged to be here. Quick short list of me. I was born in Eastern Cape, in Umtata. Um, I come from two traditional families, one in the south of Eastern Cape and the other one just further north inland by Lesotho. I've been living in Johannesburg um, since I was 11. And since then, I, you know, I've been a very curious child. And from there on, I've learned marketing. And from that journey, it's actually opened my world into so many other things. One of my key interests now uh, has become, you know, human growth and driving uh, knowledge and imparting this knowledge. Because I'm proud to say a lot of that was given to me as well um, for free as a child, you know, and I was exposed to so many great things. And I see a lot of challenges with the young guys. So that's what I really do. And I try and help them out. I also lecture. I mean, I also mentor um, student graduates at an MBA level when they deal with uh, enterprise development projects. I guide on that process. And that's been a phenomenal eye opener for me. And as common very well said. I am a syndicated student with her and we bump heads sometimes, but it's always good at the end of the fight. <laughs> uh, so, yes, I'm glad to be here, guys, and I look forward to the session. Awesome. Okay, Glenn, give us your magical story. I uh, know. Uh, welcome, firstly, Common uh, and team. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm not sure how magical my story is. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are millions like it. I hail from Cape Town originally. I was born and bred there up until the age of seven um, in a what they would call a coloured township um, for for those of us that understand South African politics. And at the at the tender age of six, I lost both my my parents quite quickly uh, within the space of about uh, two months. Um, I then moved in with some foster family. And that's where really my transformation journey started. And the, the issue around being having to be resilient and, and make choices for yourself. And at a young age, I realized that either the world was going to take me or I take the world. And so with, without much sort of big financial access, um, I went into the Navy after my schooling years. I got a trade because Academically, I never thought of myself as anything sharper than, than a screwdriver holder, but had a great technical career, uh, went into a couple of really, really good technical jobs. From there, I had a wonderful journey of falling into this people thing. And, and so from technical, I fell into training, into HR, uh, into coaching, into mentoring. And about four years ago, after a number of corporate jobs, I was fortunate enough to to be offered a position with with one of the leading business schools um, in South Africa uh, connected to to the UK uh, Henley Business School where I still work and and yes the, if I if I reflect on the journey it's been completely diverse it's been ups downs everything and and really I, I was um, thinking about the gratitude that I have for all of the varied opportunities that I've had and part of my mission in life with, with the years that I, I hopefully still have on the planet is to share that and and to grow others through the opportunities that I've had uh, and pay it forward in some small way so that's me thanks so much Awesomeness. Okay, so I'm going to start off with something. I'm going to ask you all a question, and then you're going to give me the answer. If you don't know what it is, then go with the answer that you think. Um, if you could choose, would you be a bonobo or a chimpanzee? What's a bonobo? 
What's your answer, Lubuyu, bonobo or chimpanzee? I don't know what a bonobo is. Okay. Well, okay, well, I'll take a chimp. <laughs> uh, what, what would you go, Arno? What, what's a bonobo? Okay. Glenn. Glenn? Cryptic question. I haven't played 30 <laughs> seconds in a while, so I'm lost. Okay. I am going to teach you something. I found this on Humans of New York, right? And this is a mystic guy that explains how... The difference between bonobos and chimpanzees. They look exactly the same. The one is just slightly smaller than the other one. But the genes are almost exactly the same as ours. But the tribes are very different. A bonobo, the men protect their females and females protect themselves. Bonobos would not live the way of the typical patriarch regime. But the chimpanzees would. If a woman is hurt... Not respected, not treated equally, the bonobos would tear the other apes apart, whereas chimpanzees will tolerate it. Only thing that makes chimps different is that they are better tool makers. So if you think about it logically, they, they explain it as men made the tools and then took control of it. So think of the pen, the pen took control of the story and took control of the narrative. So for many years, the social structure controlled the narrative. Women were seen as second-hand citizens, and today we can see they are just as vibrant, intelligent, and also we are seeing a lot of help her attitudes from women, women trying to help women, you know, to get to the top. But now what we're also seeing when you, when you read the news, when you read articles, all you hear all day long is that it's the end of men, the rise of the matriarch, um, the eve-olution, Toxic masculinity. Faith Popcorn predicted a gender-free future. Men are too scared to say anything. But now on the flip side, could this new era not liberate men as we strive for equality? So anima is um, the feminine side of the male psyche. So you can show your feminine side as a male. And as a female, you can show your masculinity. I'm very proud to say I'm animus. <laughs> I'm an alpha female and I'm, I have a very masculine side. But the reason I'm saying this is that I really do believe that in this time, it's very important for us to try and understand where are men at at the moment? How are they feeling and what roles do they need to play in society? And Anna, I'm going to let you open that up on that side and then let's hear it. You know, if you're alpha female, I'm, a, I'm quite a feminine man. I think I'm a, I look like a, a man and I, la, and I love women. Uh, but I am, a, yeah, a, a, and that's why I launched a platform on soft skills, a human, uh, almost everyone that I uh, that really get me hundred percent either men like uh, yourself guys invited here today you know that went through pain and went really down and really took some uh, self-reflection on, on on what went through inside of them all women in general so i'm uh, you know on the other spectrum and that's why probably we we uh, we get along and, and the general role of men i really think yeah it's uh, sort of a ambivert you know it's very ambiguous now it's 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 tough in a way it's hard to talk it's tough but a year ago when i was still in u.s and just before i came to france i was invited to do a keynote um, in a special county next to new york where young men were killing themselves all the time and the suicide rate is one of the highest now it's taboo we don't talk about young men. I don't know about South Africa, but in Europe, in America, because they need to be still 
soft, uh, you know, they need to be tough and, 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 and good looking, but also make money and also be respectful of women and blah, blah. And, and really young men don't know. I've always been respectful for women. So for me, it's a natural. But when young men, I did educated by the dads and a dad is not, you know, older generation don't know how to, uh, you know, uh, how to deal with, uh, with what's going on today. They are really at loss, I think, men. Yet, of course, I think it's the time for women to, uh, you know, it's the rising of the woman now all over. I mean, I see like, I'm hiring people and I see young women being stronger than young men. They are more ambitious now. They have more, they, they really want it. I mean, I see in the US, in, in Europe, about, I don't know about South Africa, but it's fascinating what's going on. I really believe there's going to be a, you know, a time right now in a time in the world where you know, and, and I think it's, you know, sort of a, it's a, the natural cycle of life where women are taking the leaderships of everything. And I think it's a good thing. And maybe there'll be a, a balanced world in, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, 100 years from now when there's enough women in power now uh, as, as there used to be just men. So that, that being saying, I think, knowing myself, I might be a, just a bonobo, even though the, the, I get the chimpanzee with the tools. Super important is in charge of the power, but you cannot be what you cannot, right? I'm a, I cannot go against my values. So if someone is, is going against the victim, against the poor, against the woman, I'm gonna have to open my mouth and do something. And, and it's okay if I'm not the leader and I don't have the power. What I would have to make sure is I would have to be close to the man in power if it is a man. I would have to be close to him as an advisor to make sure he understands what's going on. But, uh, especially when you say tools, I'm not, uh, I mean, I'm building a company here, so I'm building something, but, you know, I don't, <laughs> it's usually my wife doing, <laughs> using the tools at home. <laughs> She's the one when we need to nail something. She's the one. I, I can't, I can't fix anything. You know, and she's a Japanese woman. Everyone is, uh, you know, everyone is surprised. I'm the tall guy, six foot two, and she's the one uh, using the tool. So I would go with my, my, my guts, what I'm good at. I'm good to communicate. I'm good to helping those who don't need. I'm, I'm good to help people to get their voice out there. But I'm not necessarily the best guy to, to, to find the tools unless, unless it's in my field right now, like, like this platform. Okay, so I love your answer and I really want to feed into this now. So the interesting conversation that, that Louvu, you and I have had during our journey is like back at home, there's still this tradition and there's still the patriarchy that exists within the culture, but yet he's a very modern man. And I just want to understand from your perspective, how do you separate those? Because you have very traditional values as well. I think I'll separate them because I was raised by a woman. <laughs> um, you know, um, just to add to what um, Arno was saying earlier, and it's something I've been reflecting on, and it's true. Men around my age specifically find themselves in a very, very strange world right now. We are not too sure where we stand in context of our fellow men, in context to women. Uh, firstly, and even to ourselves, because a lot of the stuff that um, specifically for me going through initiation school was a journey into becoming manhood. You you are taught a lot of lessons and things that are expected of you as a man. Now, uh, we're living in this world and I don't want to say the rise of the matriarch. I'm saying it's about damn time it happened. But in that happening, there's been a lot of reshifts in thinking around exactly what is it that a man is supposed to do and what, who is he and what, what, what are those uh, principles that define him 
And it's tricky because now we having to question all of that all over again. Where, the, where in actual fact the things we were taught relevant today, is it uh, something that we can still apply? And to what extent did it give us the opportunity to change or to be, uh, is it flexible enough to change? So it's a very challenging world right now. And also, I think if you look at, as Carmen just mentioned now, systematic uh, patriarchy, you know, we sit in these uh, what they call boys clubs and we are in situations where we are not feeding each other the correct pieces of information. And I think by and large is one of the main reasons we've had such a disconnect. And now we're finding ourselves in a very challenging and ambiguous time in terms of reshifting how we think about things because it involves questioning the very notions and the very building blocks of what made you the person you are. And now to the extent that you need to now start being in um, forums and if you call it boys clubs that actually feed the right information or that actually promote the culture of, no, of unknowing because it's through unknowing that we will get informed mm-hmm. and uh, we will find this information. You know, before it was passed down through narratives, but now we can access it anyway. And I think that's where we need to start now. Yeah. Just before I move over to Glenn, one of the interesting insights I learned on a previous interview I had with Franz van der Kolf was he was talking about patriarchy never existed. The women in the African culture were always the matriarchs. They ran the households. This was before colonialism. Absolutely. So... And, and the grandmothers were the ones that told the stories over to the generation to generation. But we have to move now to Glenn because a very interesting thing now. So you, you are deeply rooted in your, in your culture. And Glenn, you, you were raised with a completely different family. You, you discovered your siblings many, many years later that went to different families and you were not as connected with your heritage and your family. How would you say has that impacted your role in, in, in society? It's very interesting because I'm going to start with your question first, um, your bonobo chimpanzee question. <laughs> and, and, and for me, it's not an either or. I think it's the best of both. I think it's a yin and a yang. I think part of my evolution is about trying to find the balance between the oral traditions that I've been shown, you know, coming from a, a generation which is probably a little bit older than Levuyo and, and, and very traditional sort of patriarchal type value systems. And, and on my journey, I've tried to question some of those things, right? To find my own balance so that I'm taking the best of both the, the male archetype and the female archetype to be a better person ultimately for myself and for, for my own journey and the legacy that I'm trying to lay down to, to my children, to my family, to those around me. So for me, it's an ongoing evolution. That That's the first thing. The thing about coming from a place where it's seen as there aren't almost those, those really deep, strong cultural, I guess, that you want to call it roots, is that it's allowed me to be open to all the different influences in my life. So I've, I've had amazing opportunities to, to travel um, internationally quite a bit. And one thing that I'll always say to people is that it doesn't matter whether I'm in Nigeria, whether I'm in a village in Thailand, whether I'm sitting with somebody in the UK, I never feel that I'm not at home. I've sat in dark coffee houses in the back of um, uh, of Calcutta, and I felt, I felt 
as at home as I would eating a local delicacy in Cape Town, right? And I think it's it's been wonderful to be open to these different influences, and that's helped my evolution so that I, I try and be as open as possible to not just discount something, maybe question it, maybe maybe reframe the language where someone would say, no, I don't agree with that because it's out of my frame of reference. I think for me, I've had to learn through my own coaching experience to reframe it and say, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. Let me maybe explore that a bit more, you know, and I'm certainly by by no means a finished product, but that approach attitudinally has helped me be able to take on the best things that I see in, in the females in my environment and the best things from males in my environment and try to find my own path of navigating that, right? And then and, and I try and find that balance of it's not a no, but it's a yes and. It's, it could be either one of the two. It could be both. However, that, that works out and, and ultimately trying to be the best human being I can be as opposed to being mm-hmm. the best male or female that I can be. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's human centric. Like, I mean, and and also what I'm feeling also in in this regard, I mean, um, I think, Arno, I I told you my story, you know, a switch went off when I was 40 years old. It just switched. All of a sudden, something went, something does not feel right with Carmen Murray. I need to go back to my roots and go and see what that was. And I started the journey of seeing a psychologist. Um, obviously, um, COVID-19 happened, but it all just um, interlinked and happened at the same time. And one of the biggest things is the reality that I thought I lived was not the reality. What shaped me and who Carmen became was somebody else's value system. I come out of the Africana culture, although I've always felt so disconnected, like outsider from, from that. And it's hurt me and it's, it's destroyed me in many, many ways that I, I, I make jokes and I, I can be very funny and a, a charismatic personality, but behind there is a lot of hurt. And I had to find a way to go and dig so deep that it, it hurts so bad that it gave me anxiety attacks to go that deep, but, but the only reason I feel that I've, I'm more empowered than any time before in my life is because I actually decided I'm not going to inherit somebody else's value system, even if you don't like me. I have to be me now, because for 40 years I was living something that was not me. And I think that that is a big aha moment, and, and, and I think in my situation, and maybe you guys can also weigh in on that, from my perspective, when I say no, or I come across and I say, I, I'm not standing for this. This is not okay with me. It's almost like I can feel people um, are going like, you know, who do you think you are? You know, like I, I kind of feel that, that energy coming towards me. And even though I'm an empath. So I would just like to find out like from a value system perspective, everything that I've just said, how, how would you absorb that? Maybe let's start with Livoyo. Sure. That's a very, very interesting question you're asking because it's all contextual, right? Uh, according to your experience, because on the one side, you would have people who've lived and were imparted with good value systems, good principles, good beliefs um, around respect, integrity, and all of those type of things. And, you know, yes, people change and we're constantly evolving as humans, Um some of them have gone on and lived this life without this. But what you're saying is quite interesting because there's 
your bang happened at 40. Do you know that adults, I've been chatting with a lot of uh, white females who are in their 20s to 30s who are finding themselves in the very same um, uh, story in that, and I think it's got a lot to do with obviously the legacy of our past in our country whereby they're actually saying, you know, the very life that I thought was a great life is actually a very non-existent life. And they find themselves in very, like you say, very anxious situations. They they actually do not know what they stand for. Subsequently, like you say, they, they end up just divorcing their narrative and rebuilding a narrative. So the very person that you thought you knew in their teenage years, they don't know, you don't know them now. Like uh, I have to reintroduce myself. Yeah, you, you really have to. <laughs> and I think, you know, and then to bring it back to my world and into my life, um, there's a lot of belief systems. I, of course, I'll constantly challenge my family and my very, the very um, community that I'm around, you know, uh, and a lot of that is just by nature. I've always been a curious person and I, and I think I'm, I'm blessed to say, you know, my parents always drove that. They were very quick to bring me back if they saw that, oh, where is this man going? Where are you <laughs> heading to? But they always encouraged that. And I always, I made them very uncomfortable with questions I asked them and stuff like that. And we constantly have this debate about, you know, there's a, there is a consensus in our family and an understanding that there are certain processes and belief systems that do not work, that just do not serve us right now for the growth. So I think in your world, it's, I think we're all sharing it just in a different in a way, different in way. a different uh, context. I don't know, Glenn, um, from your side, um, just with the people that you've been exposed to, was it the same? I'm, I'm not sure it was the same. I think it's a choice. I think it's a conscious choice. And, and by the way, uh, Carmen, um, I love the Afrikaner culture. Um, I think it's some of those traditions, some of those rituals, some of the, some of the discipline of the Afrikaans culture and, and the sort of Western, almost European culture, I find fascinating because it gives a certain direction of course taken to the extreme it can get quite negative but mm. but i've had the privilege to work with stayed in the wall afrikaans people in a, in a place called pretoria in joburg and i really come to appreciate some of the traditions that they that they followed and again it's part of that journey of being open to accepting some things right and saying what do i do with this do i choose to reject it do I choose to accept it or do I choose to mm. just acknowledge it if nothing else, right? And I, th- I think I'm, I'm going to pass that on to Honor as well and say, so your world is as as sort of diverse yes. as ours. So Honor, the, the conversation seems to be talking about we, we find ourselves in a place and time where males are starting to question their context. Um, females are questioning their context. Um, I think now more than ever, there is this period of, of questioning and confusion and trying to find clarity in exactly what is the role that we play? What should we stand for? What should we represent as, as males, firstly, as, as females, um, being shown that they have the space to, to step into their own in your world, in your context, in the work that you do? What is it that you're experiencing, feeling, starting to, to discover? What are some of those themes coming about that you could share with us? Yeah, big, big question. I, I really think it's, uh, such a holistic thing. I really think, I mean, humanity is coming together as, yeah, put it out there first. So I'm, 
I spent a lot of time in Asia, four years in Japan, a couple of years in China. I spent five months in South Africa, so I know a little bit about your, your culture, a little bit. Fifteen years in US and uh, and and the rest in France. And and the last three years, I've been spending a lot of time working in the Middle East and in South America. So I have this global culture, I think, and it seems that just people are trying to figure out still what they are. And what for me seems to be the priority is that. You need some strength. I mean, you need powerful people. You need a, some sort of a, yeah, you need some foundation, you know, going back to your, you need someone making the tools, whether it's a man and woman, who cares? But you need to, I mean, I take the example. I lived one month with a tribe in uh, South America and the tribe there was in Ecuador and it was very clear whatever your talent was, you follow. If a woman was a warrior or she could go and get food, with her bare hands, kill animals, she would go and do that. If a man was better at cooking, he, w- he was to do that. And it seems, I think, we are in a society, in a humanity, where we need all to find our place. And I do believe there is a sort of a order, a certain logical order, unconscious order, where there is enough talent in each of us to, to make, I guess, a good planet, a good people. And each, each of us really follow what we have in our art. We'll make it work. We will, we'll work it out. Something, so some powerful woman, maybe some, you know, I don't want to say weak guy, but some guys with feminine traits, whatever they have to do, and some, uh, you know, I think like me, uh, have some physical strength and some uh, feminine uh, mental uh, process, I guess. I, I really think there's, a, it seems everyone's trying to find a place. No one knows. Everyone is in this process of being lingering, languorish, not knowing what to do, not knowing what to, where to go, not knowing their place. But then, I see some, I mean, I see a lot of young, strong women all over the world. And it's going to be a very interesting world in 20 years from now. And then I see lots of young, gloss men. So I do believe if, I, I mean, I have the intimate conviction that if you follow what you are made for in this lifetime, that somehow you will take your place to society and it would work as is. I, I have this, I'm convinced, like, I've been lots of doing a lot of writing and speaking, but of a lot of coaching, right? As well. I mean, I coach every single day, uh, or mentor every single day. And whenever you, you give space to someone to, to be who they are, to listen to who they are, they do find their place in the world, whether it is to be an entrepreneur, a construction worker, a motivational coach, whatever. So if you give, if you allow people to find their story and if we allow more and more people like yourself, guys, and, and and me to tell their own story, because I think that's the only way to go through obstacle and to become the man or woman you need to be, if you listen to enough stories that resonate enough, so you say, I can do it too. I'm not afraid. I mean, whenever I do, a, when I've done coaching, people say, oh, it's, basically, it's you just have to just do it and find those people on the way yeah. just yeah. those uh, those 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 stronger uh, uh, step stone step um, we call it in french tutor de resilience stepping stones yeah stepping stone sorry mm. thank you yeah you need to find those stepping stones. You need. Could I ask, I don't know, uh, and, and maybe open it up? Um, sure. I've also done some coaching, and, and and to your point, I find that if you allow people 
the freedom to tell their own stories with allowing them to shed their ego in a space that is safe. I think I think that is where you find where the real power sits within people. That that's certainly been my experience. Um, where they can they can have the space, the freedom, the safety to shed all of the layers and all of the titles and all of the sort of stuff that that the world around them puts on them, um, and all of these obligations which are actually quite unreal, and allow them to simply be the person that they know are sitting inside and allow them to express that. I think you un- you unlock something in, in people that they never believed in um, right. because it's been shrouded in all of these titles and, and layers. Yeah. 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 And, and to, to your point, I was interviewed a couple of days ago by a, a, a big newspaper here in France. A young woman in front of me, I mean, well-educated, you know, 30 years old. And I'm telling about my my personal growth platform and i'm teaching i say we teach you know not the hard skill we teach about courage and enthusiasm and she really thought she she didn't want to sort of uh, diminish my saying she really thought she's like but what do you talk about we are what we are we cannot change and you really hit me 95 i do believe 95 percent of the population thinks you are what you are you know you came in the world with that's it and you have to study hard skill, whether it's computer or mathematics or science, uh, flower making, I don't care. Just you have to study skills and get a job. And that's it. You can't just shift, switch. And I say you can shift and switch just by listening people, inspiring stories. Yes, inspiring. I mean, I, I actually the first time I understood the power of storytelling, uh, I had been a comedian in LA for a few years and I went to Tanzania uh, as a volunteer in, vol- in villages and I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm doing something good and it's fun for me. I'll teach theater and those guys will have a good time. And I didn't know the power of storytelling. So I, I helped young men and young women to tell the story in front of the village that changed their life. And I'm like, what is it? Just That's it, just allowing them to tell their story. Whatever story they had. Crazy story. I mean, I heard some crazy shit, but there was another point. The find is whatever story they had to say, if, if people, if you make others silent to help them make space for whoever is in front of them, suddenly something happened, like a huge human connection, and everyone grows. The one listening, the one speaking. Yeah, I love that. I actually I want to read a quote by Lucius Seneca, which says, if one does not know to which port one is sailing, no wind is favorable. Love it. And and it's so, so important. You need to know what you're all about, why you are here. And I think, Arno, you and I a while ago had a conversation um, via WhatsApp where I said to you, how do you find your purpose? I am yearning and I'm, I've been on a year on this discovery and self mastery and, and it's, I can feel how I'm changing. And I want to, I actually want to try and, and thread this whole story together and weave it into a basket because I want to talk about this topic that's going around the room about mentorship and, and wh- why we're talking about this today. It's such a buzzy word, but I want to, to highlight something. I lost my dad a few months ago. And I did not have a good relationship with him. So sadly, you know, um, there's a lot of healing that still needs to happen. Irrespective is 
I got mentored by other men of what a good father looks like and to teach him. Not, not that he was a terrible dad. He just wasn't a, a dad that I could connect to. And he, 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 he was not... He never communicated with me. I think he spoke like a thousand words with me during during my entire life. And therefore, we were so disconnected. And it's like the father figure is so important in terms of fathers of society, not just fathers of households, but it's communities and societies. And it's so, so, so important. Or yet, I have now found that now that my dad is no longer with us is that I have a far better relationship with him now because now I understand him better because I really had to go and soul search. But I also understand him better because I turned to men that could help me understand and psychologists. And I'm, I'm talking openly about these things because it's important that we have the courage to speak up about this. And I want to understand from you guys of, of the importance of what it is to be not just a father to your son, but a father to your daughter, to your community, to, to people, to society. And what does that mean in any shape and form? I'll start. Um, so I was having the same conversation with my mother not so long ago. I'm like, what is the role of men? What is the role of a father uh, in society? And I joke and said, the species called men. <laughs> um, and she said, you know, no matter what happens, a father is still a backbone of the family. They are protectors of, uh, and that's why there's so much frailty right now um, is that we went from being protectors to being causes of harm to society. So that's the one part about it. The importance of them, John Mayer actually has a very beautiful song about daughters where he says, fathers be good to your daughters and daughters will learn to love like you, right? I think father to son, for me, that role was when I was, my fondest memories was when I was growing up with my dad. I mean, he taught me so many things. One of the most profound messages he always gave me, the ones who were washing a dog and he was struggling to, to wash this dog and he comes and he calls me. He's like, no, come over here, come over here. So he's like, come help me. So I, I wash, I help him wash this puppy. And then when we were done, he actually left me with a message. He's like, you as a gentleman of society, let your presence be a helping hand. That was, let that be wow. something you learn. And you know, it sounded deep then or poetic, but I, you know, I dismissed it. But the more I spoke to him the, as I grew up, the more I realized actually a father's role is to serve. Um, is really to serve in society and you serve your love, your loved ones, your wife, your kids, your, you go serve your community and then you have to serve yourself because to serve mm. yourself is to now recognize your own limitations and serve to better yourself on that. I think uh, over the, the times of our world, it's changed, right? Because the, the definition of that always uh, was a very masculine tone. You know, we needed to show that strength, to show that that like that hits as a strongness as it was, and fight battles. You know, right now we don't want to be fighters. Now we want to be healers, and yeah. it's something that sits with me uh, constantly. Uh, and how that happens, you hear those jokes about daddy issues. Uh, I don't know true or not, but every time you speak to a lot of people who've gone through who have uh, disconnected fathers, they do tend to also show a disconnection to a very male mm. figure. And I think I can argue the same with men in the mother side, but it's really down to what you get in society mm. and the, the exposure you get and the people that you, you surround yourself with, you know, um, I, it really pays okay. so much dividends, especially as uh, Glenn said earlier on, show me, uh, show me a child at seven, you know, or show me that kid at seven. 
a lot of what I learned was at seven with the, with the women that were in my life, the male figures that I lived around and the information and the knowledge they shared with me. So father or not, I think, you know, it's also does come down to those exposures that mm. will help you in society. Len? Yeah, the, 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 the saying of, of show me the boy till he's seven, I'll show you the man. Um, I, I think it talks, it talks to those values and those messages that, that have come through. I think I'm, I'm going to loop back to, to the topic of, of mentorship. And how do I want to sort of show up in the world as, as a mentor? But for me, it's not about being a sort of being that is better than anybody else. It's about sharing what I know to grow the next person. You know, for, for me, that's what mentorship is about. Being a male in society, being a, these roles we play, being a father, being a husband, being a partner, being a friend. It's really about, for me personally, it's about taking the best of myself and trying to share that with others to help them on their own journeys. Um, and so, so the issue of mentorship for me is about that. I want to take what opportunity and experience I've been really fortunate to have and, and go to places and share those stories, like Arno says, with people that are open to taking them on and can find some value in that. And we can start engaging in a way that actually grows us both because the joy I found in mentorship and coaching is that I learn so much as a coach and as a mentor from the very people that have come to me so-called to find help. Often I walk away with an experience that that takes my understanding uh, to a completely different level that, that develops me as, as a better person, as a better mentor, as a better coach. And so I think that helps our evolution that we're open to give and take in that interaction, whether you're a mentor or a mentee, whether you're a coach or a coachee is, is about saying, so I'm not here to sort of pass on my, my divine knowledge. It's about saying, no, 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 let me have an interaction that we that we can both learn from, that we can both open ourselves from, and and both walk away richer from, and I think for me that's the essence of what mentorship, coaching, leadership, and and that's got nothing to do with gender for me. Definitely, um, that that's just about your approach. Yeah, it's completely gender neutral for me. I don't know, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, fascinating uh, subject. Maybe mentorship is, af after all, what someone had told me what is uh, fatherhood about. I remember asking uh, just because, just before my kid was born, he, he just turned three years old yesterday. It's my first kid. And he told me it's all going to be about giving him roots yeah. and wings. <laughs> and I, I kept, I mean, I was the best advice someone told me, right? Ability to dream, to elevate, to de take distance and just to let it go. And then roots, right? Foundation, right? So maybe, maybe, and then, um, so many other things, uh, what you said, we, we need to find, we can find the, the mentors we want somewhere else. They exist somewhere. I, for me, it took me a few years, right? Maybe after 20, 25, I could find some people I looked up to. Uh, and, and, and I'm the same. You grew up without a, a real present uh, existing, you know, maybe father. And for me, it was my mom, right? So I could have turned either against woman or for woman. 
And I, I turned four women. I loved women. And I found my wife. But my mom was not there. She could care less. She was just self-centered, only career matter. Kids was just something on the side. And I, I just can't even remember anything of, you know, a loving moment or her teaching me anything. And the other day, I got this, once again, this of someone was telling me, um, two, two people I'm, uh, I'm helping speakers now to be on a platform. Both of them never left France because they were so loved by their mom. And those guys were amazing. I mean, they were a brilliant guy. They could have done anything else. And say, you know, I've agreed. They're both in their 60s now. You know, you've done the life I wanted to have. I know you've done everything around the world. And, but I just could not imagine leaving my mom. She was so, and for me, I'm like, well, that was the gift, at least. I didn't have a loving mom, so I, I could go anywhere. I didn't have to call her. She, she didn't call me. So there was no connection. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I did the best with what I had, which I didn't have love. So at least I didn't have this attachment. So you, you really can find our, you know, our sort of paradise, a mental paradise. It, it, it's all always a matter of, you know, until that day, it was like a week ago. I'm like, you know, I, I wish I had like a good mom. But I'm like, well, maybe in my case, I would have never left. Probably. You know? So I'm, I'm, in a way, I'm happy. I'm thankful. I'm like, I'm so happy. I would have not changed my life for a second. I would have loved to have my a mom, a, a woman's love, but I transfer and I found loving women yeah. around the world, and and uh, and there's so many. And so I have nothing, you know, uh, against everyone around me is a woman, right? My client, my people I work with. It's, a, it's just a woman world I live, but with you know with love. And although I didn't see that, right? I didn't grow up. So uh, and father is important, a mom is important, and then in a, a strength. You need some sort of strength figure, and you need some sort of feminine figure. You, you, I do believe you need both for creativity, for roots, uh, for balance, roots and wings. But the, the other day, it's it's always a matter of how you see it. Someone I'm coaching, a CEO, uh, and he starts. He say he wants to understand his story. Now he's like 40s, he's successful, but he can't. He, he wants to be able to uh, uh, articulate his story when he talks, and he starts. You know, so, you know, I'm whatever, raised in a middle, middle class family. My, uh, I was three years old when my sister was uh, killed. But you know, that's why I'm so strong. I mean, most of us would say my life was shit because I was three years old and my sister died. I mean, it's like, and the guy is, is strength. He says only power comes from the death. He said it was tragic or full sad. Yet my strength comes from that. I'm like, how powerful, right? Yeah. Like, to, to, I can right? And I was like, yeah, I can absolutely wow. resonate. Like, I mean, maybe that's what happened to you, right, Glenn, with your parents when you were six. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Common mentioned something about reframing and it's about reframing events that, that others would see as potentially usually traumatic, right? How do you choose to reframe that? The place I come from in, in the Western Cape, the, the community I come from, I, I often reflect and wonder if I had stayed there and, and my parents had stayed alive, where would I have ended up? Because the typical story is dead or in jail coming from that kind of community, right? Mm. And yet through that traumatic experience, the world opened for me, right? 
I've had opportunities that I know I never would have had had I stayed there all my life. So, so it's a funny irony, you know, through all that pain, there's been such opportunity, such joy, such success. And so I, I suppose for me, Carmen, in fact, introduced me to telling my own story and, and allowing me to be brave enough to tell my own story yeah. about, what, 18 months ago, Carmen, that, that, that you did that. And, and it's changed the way I've looked at myself, my journey, my story, and, and helping to motivate others to tell theirs as authentically as, as what I was able to do for myself. Because I think it, it absolutely takes you to a completely different level of understanding yourself and, and the world and the place that you find yourself in. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm almost in tears, Jan. I, 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 I want to close off um, our session. I wish we had the whole day. We should maybe like try and do a virtual workshop on this topic. I think it would be a great idea. But I want to just close off with a poem. Um, so Arno, you and I w were in contact and um, I was on this mission to find healing in my own life. And through storytelling, and, and, and Glenn, thank you for that. Um, and I'm, I'm privileged. Your story touched me in so many ways. And we'll have a link below so you can actually watch it. But I was restless because I didn't understand who I am, who I want to be in the world, and how I can serve and live the highest purpose of me as a human being. And it sometimes takes a hard skin and a tough skin to get there because I was always that people's pleaser, the person that would always say yes, yes, yes to everything and everyone and never, ever taking care of Carmen. And I almost visualized myself going up a mountain with a backpack on my back and a person brings me a problem and I add it to my bag and I add it to my bag and eventually I can't get up to the mountain and I collapse mm. and I'm in a hospital bed and I'm having an anxiety attack and it's, it's this constant thing. So... I have a friend, um, Pepe Marais, who has really been like a very good coach for me. And he kept on for the past year and a half. He's been saying, Carmen, what is your word? The word that you can say is the word that changes you as a human being, that changes your family, your community, clients that you touch, the life that you touch, society, that one word. And I kept on saying to him, I don't know. And he, he didn't give me the answer. He said, go and find it. And I have gone through hell to get to this moment. But I am joyous because if you go deep, yes, see, beautiful things happen. And from that, I can feel this. I can feel in my belly. I can feel in my soul. Something big is about to emerge. And I decided to take all of this and write down all of these words and create a poem. And I asked one of my friends just to help me to rhyme a bit because I'm not really that good. But I'm going to close off the show with my poem of my story and who I want to be in the world. And I believe that through mentorship, healing does come. And I know that my word is healing because through storytelling, I bring people together. I connect people because somehow that is my power. My superpower is bringing healing, but not the heebie-jeebie one, a, a normal one through storytelling. And I'm going to do my poem and I'm shaking. No judgment. <laughs> okay. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Bada-bing. It all started with a feeling, a deep desire to bring healing. Hearts beating, lungs breathing, heads nodding, hands shaking, hugs extending connecting to the mind-bending power of our innermost intuition, 
so I can improve the human condition. For I am a woman on a mission, armed with a vision, to be a soulful physician. My head is the transmission. My hands are the magician. My heart is the tactician. Creativity is my humanity, the conduit through which I disseminate authenticity. But it all started with a feeling, a deep desire to bring healing, to give this life meaning. Since young girl, it's what I've been dreaming. And as a grown woman, it's what I'm now speaking to me, myself and I and the world at large. For those who seek change and want to make the world a better place and for those to change came but they made the world a worse place to live in, to bring rejuvenation to the ruined, hope to the hurt, purpose to the pain, to teach and train those left behind by the bus, solve the unsolved, connect the unconnected to communicate with the crying and use the tears to wash the canvas clean so they can put to rest stories of yesterday, empowering them to write a new today and paint a different tomorrow to educate the ignorant, to listen to the ignored, hear the unheard, think before I speak, talk like a leader, not a leech, walk in service of all those I reach so I can bring the roots of our true selves and most potent potential to life in the most branchful of ways. And allow the outsiders, the outcasts, the black sheep, the dark horses, the underdogs, the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, round pegs in square holes, and the seers of things differently to express their unfiltered brilliance. Undiscovered badassness, unruly beauty, unexpected bravery, and uncensored booyah! So the world can see and celebrate them in all their glory. For the world needs more lovers, not haters, peacemakers, not fakers, reparators, not takers, loud hailers, not dictators. But it all started with a feeling, a deep desire to bring healing, to give this life meaning since a young girl. It's what I have been dreaming. As a grown woman, it's what I am speaking. And as a human being, it's what I'm now living and a legacy I will be leaving. I thank you. There you go, guys. That's what mentorship does. And never be afraid of a psychologist. They're your best friend. That's very powerful. Okay, guys. Wow, good job. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you you so much, Omar. Lovely meeting you. Thank you, Thank you, Lavoya. You've been listening to The Carmen Murray Show, another solid gold podcast. Please take a moment to rate and share this episode with friends and colleagues who love customer experience and marketing just as much as you do. To connect with Carmen, visit CarmenMurray.com, where you will find links to her business services, future fit events, and biz community articles. Carmen Murray is CEO of Booyah Modern Marketing Services that empower businesses to deliver premium customer experiences, B2B, B2C, and B2B2C across all industries. Some of these services include research, CX strategy, persona development and customer journey mapping, CX audits, UX audits, and the connected marketer training in connected customer experiences, mobile, data management, and AI. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.